millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World on RNZ National. I'm Alison Balance. In this special web-only feature, we're going to be hearing about an exciting crowdfunding initiative to sequence the genomes of all 125 living kākāpō. First up, I talk with Andrew Digby, the scientist working on the Kākāpō and Takahe recovery programs. This is something which has come about from the Kākāpō genome first being sequenced at the start of last year. This was by Jason Howard and his collaborators at Duke University in the United States. And it was a bit of a dream I had, basically, of, well, if we've done it for one, there's not many kākāpō. Could we actually do it for, sequence the genome for all of the living kākāpō? So we're talking 125 birds. That's right, yeah, 125. That's the living population at the moment. There's a possibility, if we can, if we get sufficient funding, that we might look at some museum specimens as well. And we are in the middle of a breeding season at the moment, and and soon we'll start to have some more kākāpō. So, yeah, hopefully we can extend that too if, if we think that's appropriate. Bruce Robertson is a molecular ecologist at the University of Otago, and he's been working on kākāpō genetics for many years. Most of the kākāpō, all by Richard Henry, um, who was the last Fiordland kākāpō, they've all come from Stewart Island. And so small island populations generally have higher levels of mating between relatives or inbreeding, um, and so consequently they generally have lower levels of genetic diversity. And so that's a problem in so much as we have to maintain the amount of genetic diversity that's present in the kākāpō. And to do that, we need to know genetic information about them, which is what this project will provide us in a big way the first kākāpō to have her genome sequenced is a female called Jane. So we've now got Jane's um, sequence, so they're, they're working on the final assembly of that, um, and that's apparently going to be a, a platinum quality, as they refer to, um, genome sequence. And that's one thing that we'll be able to use as a, a scaffold. So we already have the, the information on all of the genetic diversity, and we'll be able to map all 125 other genomes that we're going to develop or in the process of developing onto that really good quality genome. And then we'll be able to, to look at different um, variation locations of kākāpō genes. So obviously that hasn't quite been locked off yet, but has it already shown anything about kākāpō that's perhaps yeah, different um, from other known birds? I've had a, a bit of a play with it, so I've now got a copy of it. Um, and so we're able to compare pieces of DNA that over the years we've been um, collecting for particular locations in the kākāpō's genome, um, things like the mitochondrial DNA and the microsatellites, and we're able to actually look for them in Jane's genome, and luckily they're there. <laughs> um, and we can actually start figuring out where they are and where, you know, where they're from in the genome, which is quite exciting. And what can that tell you? For one genome, we're more would be comparing between species, but once we start getting a number of genomes, um, we're initially starting on 40 birds, and which will target most of the founders, we'll then be able to look at the genetic variation, and so we'll have all of the DNA sequence of kākāpō to compare, so we won't have to go back and sequence multiple areas to try and, you know, in every particular project, it'll be like a library. We can go to this library, 
look for a particular gene which is like a book, pull it out and we'll have all of the DNA information in that particular gene of that book of the library. So it's just amazing the amount of um, knowledge we're going to gain of Kakapo genome. Has there been any other species that has had every individual sequenced? Not that I know of. Um, I was just talking recently with the Alala people, which is the Hawaiian crow. So they're a similar situation to Kakapo, and they're definitely looking towards this. They've just got their first genome done, but they've only got, I think there's 119 birds in that species. So I think Kakapo will be the first species that's had the entire extant population genotyped, or at least have all their genomes sequenced, which will be amazing. What sort of things will it be able to tell you? There's a whole range of things. I'll give a few examples. Um, one is the gen genetic management. So genetic management of kakapo is really important. We manage their matings as much as we're able to, and both things like artificial insemination to try and to make sure that we maintain as much genetic diversity as we can. This will enable us, having the, all the genomes will enable us to completely re-examine the pedigree and, and inheritance of the birds, so we'll be able to refine that genetic management. And we'll be able to look at things as well as like, uh, are the offspring that we get from artificial insemination, are they as genetically vi viable as, as from natural matings? Um, other things that we'll be able to look at as well is, is there a genetic basis for fertility? So Kakapo have got really low fertility, and only about 60% of eggs are fertile. In our last breeding season, that number was only about 40%. And is there a genetic reason for that? Is there a genetic basis for sperm health, for example, and for hatching success? We can look at disease as well. We have a disease at the moment, um, what's known as clericitis or crusty bum, which pretty much accurately describes it. It's probably killed one kakapo. It would have killed more without treatment. Um, we don't know that much about it, and we're trying to do some research at the moment, but we can look at things like, is there a genetic basis for susceptibility to that? And we know that our Fjordland birds, we have three Fjordland founders. All the other kakapo come from Stewart Island origin. Those Fjordland birds have got different genes which are associated with disease resistance to the Stewart Island birds. And we know that for one set of genes, what's called the MHC genes, but there's probably a whole lot of other range of genes that we just don't know about which may be associated with disease resistance, for example. So that will help us to understand which individuals um, are less prone to future disease than others, for example. Population genetics as well, so we understand a bit more about loss of genetic diversity in Kakapo and the bottleneck that they've gone through. And is there any local adaptation? So what are those genetic differences between Stewart Island founders and the Fjordland birds too? And, and another picture, and this is where Jason's team comes in, they're interested in evolution too. So things like they're looking at vocal learning in parrots and longevity as well. And so there's a whole sort of evolutionary ecology side of this too. We're um, sort of in our team, we're much more concerned with the, the conservation applications, but there's a whole evolutionary side of it, which is also really interesting. But as you say, the key thing is that we currently have a, a kakapo population which is very inbred. Uh, all those Stewart Island birds are genetically very similar. You've got three Fjordland birds that are genetically quite distinct. To be able to clarify that difference and, and sort of drill down to a, gen, to a level of genes and go, what is happening between those birds and these birds? That would that's, be really useful. Yeah, that's critical. We know, um, for example, one of the Fjordland birds, just one of those Fjordland founders, Gulliver, has a, an MHC gene, one of these sort of the genes which is associated with disease resistance, which he has one. His father, Richard Henry, who has now died, had it, but none of his siblings have it. So he's the only carcable which has that gene. And that's something which you know, could be critical in future years. That gene could be critical in, in terms of any future disease that comes along. And there's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much that we don't know. And having the whole genome information will completely change the field in terms of, of, of that sort of understanding.
And then who knows what you might be able to do in a few years' time with things like DNA editing technology. Exactly, exactly. And that's sort of further down the line, but um, that's really something that, that could come into the picture with this sort of information. Now, the thing that surprises me about this is that you've turned to crowdfunding to, to help fund it. We're not actually talking about a very expensive project here, are we? No, it's not a huge amount of money. Um, so we're talking, you know, sort of up to about $100,000. Um, and that's not huge. In conservation terms, that is quite a lot of money. Um, it was very much a dream that I had to do this, and I knew that was something that really wasn't part of our core work. Um, it was more of a, a longer-term research project that, that we could do. Um, at the moment, we're in a breeding season, which is extremely expensive. We're basically spending all of our money on the breeding season, so so extra money for this sort of thing has to come from elsewhere. And I thought it was quite a, a good way of, of raising money for this because it's something which perhaps could capture people's imagination involving a critically endangered species like this, plus sort of this quite an ambitious project to sequence all the living individuals. And also, I think that this project too, it's... Um, Kind of what excites me a little bit is we don't really know what we're going to find out for some of it. We've got quite a lot of applications, things that will be really important, but with um, so much information, we'll have hopefully researchers collaborating with us, working all over the world on, on this. Um, we'll be able to, you know, there'll be things that we didn't know that we were going to find out, which will be incredibly useful. And this genetic work is going to be done here in New Zealand? Yeah, that's right. So um, we're, we're working with New Zealand Genomics Limited, uh, and they're going to be doing the, the sequencing here um, at Otago, and currently we're developing the, the DNA, you know, getting high-quality DNA that we're going to be sending them in a couple of weeks. Um, and so it'll all kick off, and they reckon by about mid-March we should have our first 40 kakapo genomes. And we can start cranking into analysing the data. This year's chicks will barely be starting to walk before you know everything about the genes <laughs> of their parents. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah, it's amazing. And the questions that we can answer are just is limited by our imagination, you know, once we have the whole genetic diversity, it's you know, it's like with the human genome projects. It's you're just going to be mining this for many years to come, and new and novel things will come out of it. So it has huge implications for the conservation management of of these endangered birds. Does it also give us an opportunity to really look at kakapo compared to the rest of the bird world? Yeah, it does. So um, we're able to then look at some evolutionary questions. Um, there are going to be people working on flightlessness in birds which can compare kakapo, for instance, and with their um, kia and kaka, they've also had their genomes sequenced relatively recently. And so, you know, as all of these genomes build up, we're able to compare across and start looking at these types of evolutionary questions and, and what makes our kakapo so you know, unusual and interesting. You heard from Andrew Digby, scientist on the Kakapo and Takahe recovery programs, and Bruce Robertson, a molecular ecologist at the University of Otago. For more information, check out our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.